So yeah, obviously, like the last um, the last week has taken a really unexpected turn. Um, I um, I sort of like think back to Tuesday afternoon, and I just really had no idea what was going to happen. I um, I caught up with um, yeah, I caught up with some people. Um, like shout out to Chris Young Lines for doing my hair on Tuesday afternoon, but we had no idea that uh, you know that that night would be going into level four lockdown. It was unexpected for me, and it might have been unexpected for you, but it definitely wasn't unexpected for God. He knows all things. He has purpose and meaning in all things. And, and Romans 8.28 says, we know, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now when he says all things, we're talking about all things. All things work together for good. This means that we can thank him and we can trust him in all circumstances. We can we can thank him and trust him in good circumstances. That's that's a little bit easier, but also in bad circumstances and and, and sort of um, those unexpected times. And I've been trying to put this into practice, even you know when uh, when I'm awake in the night trying to get trying to get the kids to sleep and going okay. Like most of me is actually really frustrated and annoyed, but I'm trying to be trying to be thankful to God and go okay, God, you've allowed this. What is it that you're doing in this moment? So thanking him and trusting him. Uh, you know, there's that. There's that line where people get married and they, they do their vows and they go in sickness and in health, but we can thank God and trust Him in sickness and in health. Mind blown. In lockdown and in freedom. Actually, I, I, just, want to be, I just want to begin my message by, by praying uh, that, we would, that we would all um, hear God speaking to us this morning and, and know His encouragement. And, and I keep thinking about like His, like his breakthrough and, and His life. So let's do that, eh? Yeah, Jesus, yeah, God, you, you're so good to us in every moment, in every moment you're with us. And Lord, I, you know, it's kind of weird this morning, I'm, I'm speaking to a camera and I can't see people on the other end, but I just have this, this amazing sense that you're, you're speaking into homes, you're speaking into situations, that, you, that your presence is with, with your sons and daughters this morning, as as they're tuning in, Lord, just that just that picture of of seeing almost like little little flames or, or sparks, embers, in homes across across Wellington and even across Wellington, and and people are tuning in from overseas, Lord. And so I pray that this would be like such a significant moment in what you're doing, Lord, in our lives, Father. Not a moment to, not a moment or a time to kind of like rush through and go. Oh, I can't wait till this is over. But, but almost like to say, okay, what are your purposes in this moment, God? What are you teaching me? What are you drawing me into? What are you drawing us into, God? So let your presence come, Father. Let your presence come. Let your peace uh, just just fill homes, Father, for those that are feeling especially anxious or uh, just just sort of that. Uh, like the burden of stress and worry at the moment, Lord, I pray for like your, the breakthrough of your of your of your peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, we open up our open up our hearts to you, and we open up our minds to you. We set our attention on you, God, this morning. Bless you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. So, so good to us. So good. 
But today I'm talking about freedom. It's funny, isn't it? Talking about freedom in the middle of lockdown. I'm talking about the Lord, our deliverer. I feel like this is the message that God has for us, even in these present circumstances. He's led us to this place to reveal something of himself and his glorious plans. And like I keep saying, I'm really confident. I just feel like the Lord's going to encourage you. He's going to build you up and he's going to set you free even in these unsettling times in our nation and, and on our planet Earth. And, and this morning I really want to draw, uh, draw together a few threads, but speaking mainly from the ancient book of Exodus, which we've been talking a lot about for the last couple of months. And I'm just going to take a, um, take a, a, a planned pause so that you can go and grab, get your hands on your favorite Bible. You know, when you're at home, it's a bit easier to go get your favorite Bible because I really think that we should uh, be opening that together and, and reading from it together. And while you do that, I'm going to have a, a swig of my coffee. So, okay, go grab a Bible. you got 20 seconds. Go. All right, so we're going to be centered in, centered in Exodus, uh, <clears throat> the second book in the Bible. Very, really easy to find. Last Sunday, Rosemary spoke from, from Passover, spoke about Passover. So the last, the last of the plagues of judgment to come down upon Egypt. Um, it was judgment for judgment for Egypt, but for Israel, the the enslaved descendants of Jacob and Jacob, also known as Israel, it was a moment of seeing God's mighty hand leading them to freedom, just as He promised. In fact, God God made this promise about three times in the early chapters of Exodus. He repeats this promise to Moses in Exodus. The first time is in Exodus 3, verses 7 to 10. And so, like Exodus, as I said, is the, is the second book of the Bible, easy to find. So quickly turn to there and open it up to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to be reading from uh, just verses 7 and 8. This is the promise of God to Moses and Israelites. Exodus 3, 7 and 8. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. This is, this is the promise, and God needs to keep repeating this promise to the Israelites. They need reminding. They need building up. They need a new narrative. And there's a key phrase in this promise. God says, I have come down. He has already, he has already come down. I have come down. He's already descended from, descended from heaven. He's already on the scene. He's already working together things for good. Working things together for good. And then he says, he's come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Out of the hand of the Egyptians. Turn to the person next to you and go, out of the hand of the Egyptians. <laughs> To bring them out, out, out of that land, out of their land of oppression, out of their land of slavery, into a good and broad land, into a good and broad land, a land of freedom, a land of promise. So how does God go about bringing the Israelites out from the hand of the Egyptians? He does it with his own strong and mighty hand. Verse 20, we just, oh, sorry, we jump in ahead a bit. Verse 20, he says, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. Watch out, Egypt. When God made this promise to Moses and the Israelites, they had no idea what was going to take place. But we do, because <laughs> we've got the book of Exodus. Ten plagues. 
Ten plagues struck Egypt, wrecking havoc. But more importantly, as we've been thinking about and looking at, more importantly, breaking the power of the spiritual strongholds of Egypt, smashing the confidence of the people and the power of their gods, revealing that God is God supreme, the victorious king, God the deliverer, God the exodus maker. Exodus. Exodus means way out. You know, like the word exit, way out. And there's one passage, there's one moment in the whole book of Exodus, which is the Exodus. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 33. Actually, I'm just going to read up from my iPad. It's a wee bit easier. Exodus 12, 33 says... The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. And then we jump forward to verse 37. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot beside women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had just brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Like this is the Exodus moment. This is where it all happens. This incredible moment that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, slaves were made free, delivered, or in these, in these words that I'm going to come back to later, thrust out. There was no time to prepare. No time to prepare. And it says a mixed multitude went with them. So it wasn't just Israelites, but other peoples as well. Anyone who feared the Lord and listened to the, to the message of Moses. Isn't this cool? They saw the signs of God and they pinned their hopes on God. They saw that God was stronger, that God was more powerful than any of their gods or rulers. And they were all set free in this moment. It was the moment of their salvation. It was their exodus momentous and instantaneous. They leave Egypt, marching out defiantly, leaving their enemy behind, leaving their history behind. And the Lord leads them, going before them, in a, in, uh, going before them by day in a pillar, in a pillar of cloud, pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of uh, fire by night. So they could travel all day and, no, all day and night. He leads them through the wilderness, towards the Red Sea. And then he does something unexpected, something kind of freaky. The Lord speaks to Moses and tells the people to turn back. So now jumping ahead a couple of chapters. Exodus 14. Exodus 14, I'm just going to read two verses 2 and 3. The Lord says, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-ha-hiroth. <laughs> you might know how to say that a bit better than me. Pi-ha-hiroth, between Migdol and the sea. In front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. God has something planned. His intention is to have the complete victory over Pharaoh and over his armies. The Israelites would appear to be wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. They would appear to be trapped by the wilderness. But God's plan is to draw Pharaoh out, draw the armies out, to have his final victory over, over them. But the thing is, 
The people of Israel didn't have this perspective. They didn't have the heavenly perspective. They had marched defiantly out of Egypt, but when they see Pharaoh, when they see his armies drawing near, their hearts melt. They freak out. They've just been set free from this guy. What's he doing chasing them? And now it seems like he's coming to re-enslave them or kill them. So listen to what they say to Moses. This is, this is people freaking out. Eh? They go, is it because, okay, I'm reading from uh, Exodus 14 verses 11. It says, is, that, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this... Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They're freaking out. Just freaking out. And Moses said to the, said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only be silent. So just a quick point on this, a quick and powerful point. Sometimes the Lord leads us in a way that feels like turning back. We can be confronted by something or someone that we thought was in our history. We thought we were free, but now it's like our enemy is back in our face, ready to re-enslave us. Old fears, anxieties, even memories can come back and haunt us. And going back to level four, lockdown, might feel like this for some of you. Here we are, back again. Back where we were in April, May 2020. I thought things were meant to be different by now. Where are you, Lord? What are you doing? He is bringing about his victory. <laughs> He's allowing us to face these things, to bring about his salvation, his complete salvation, his complete victory in our lives. He's the way maker. That's why we sang it this morning. He's the way maker. Even though, we don't, even though we might not see it, even though I don't see it, you're working, God. Even though I don't feel it, you're working, God. And so what should we do in these moments? Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. He works all things together for good for those who love him. These are breakthrough moments. This is a breakthrough moment. And we see this kind of thing all through scriptures. All through scriptures. I don't have time to go into into examples of that, but there's so many times that when all seems lost, then God breaks through. And all we got to do, all we have to do, is just hold on. So like we hold on for the ride. We see what's in front of us, but we trust in the heavenly perspective. God has got this. God's got this. So I know that many of you are familiar with what happens next. But I just, I still want to encourage you, especially like in this level four season where we're all trapped inside. You might be in a trap with your family, you might be on your own, but just, just go back and read it. Read Exodus 14. Read it for yourselves. Read it on your own or read it out loud with others. I'm just going to give a quick summary, but seriously, go back. There's so much cool stuff in there. God instructs Moses to lift up his staff and stretch out his hand over the, over the Red Sea. Then a strong east wind blows, or in well, you know, Wellington's case, it would be a strong southerly blows, and it drives the sea back, dividing the waters. 
Like it says, a wall, there was a wall of water on each side and dry land at the bottom. And then this great multitude of Israelites and everyone who had joined them, they walked through on dry ground. And then, and then this is the trap that the Lord is setting, isn't it? Pharaoh and the Egyptians give chase. All their chariots, all their horsemen giving chase. But their chariots get bogged down. And then the waters are released, just, just covering them, drowning the chariots, the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh. Like if you know your Bibles, this might be, might be reminding you of, you, uh, reminding you of uh, Noah, uh, Noah's Ark, the time of Noah when, when, um, when the Lord like, uh, allowed the waters to be released and, and destroyed uh, all of the sin and the sinful activities that were happening in the world at this time. The Lord like, defeating his enemies, right? It's the stuff that movies are made of. <laughs> and they are made of this, aren't they? An amazing story of salvation, an amazing story of deliverance, freedom, and victory. And there are two parts that I want to highlight using two words, birth and baptism. Birth and baptism. And first, we're going to start with baptism. For the Israelites, crossing the Red Sea was hugely insignificant. It meant the complete deliverance from their past in Egypt. The story of slavery in a foreign land was over and done. Now they were God's chosen people being led by God's personal presence to the promised land of their forefathers. They were set free. And the enemy, Pharaoh and and his armies, who kept them in bondage with heavy burdens on their backs. Oh, man. He was utterly and soundly, completely defeated. Before the Red Sea crossing, they were Israel, Israel, the slave nation under the hand of Pharaoh. After the crossing, they were Israel, the chosen nation under the hand of God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that they were baptized into Moses and the cloud and in the sea. Passover was the salvation of Israel. The Red Sea was the Red Sea crossing was like the baptism of Israel. The baptism speaks of two things. Baptism speaks of the end of one thing and the beginning of another. The end of one thing and the beginning beginning of another. I was baptized as a 14-year-old in a reservoir in California. Our whole family was, was over there because mum and dad were doing a, a ministry course and we were living on a ranch in the desert hills just outside Los Angeles. And one day I began thinking about getting baptised. And I decided to talk to dad about it and that led to being, being dunked, being immersed in this reservoir. And I was, I was only 14 but I knew that I had sin in my life. I had, I had uh, things in my life that, um, that I needed to repent of. I think I had this I had this hope that if I got baptized then then I wouldn't face temptation again. I wouldn't sin ever again. And it wasn't quite like that. But but nonetheless as a 14-year-old I went under the water and when I came back up the old man, my old man was left behind, drowned in that reservoir. And it's really cool like thinking about it because it wasn't just the old man from then, but it's almost like the old man from now. The old man from my future. <laughs> the old man is like he's fully separated from me, drowned in that in that pool. Baptism is a, is a past and a present and a future moment. My old man, I'm not talking about you, Dad. Sorry, I'm talking about my old, my old man, like my, my flesh, right? Drowned in that pool, and I love it that it's that it's in a, it was in a completely different country, ten thousand kilometers away. You're not coming close to me, right? 
Baptism is like this separating moment and it involves repentance, which is a turning, a turning away from our past. And it involves faith, like looking, towards the, looking towards the future and our hope in God. Paul says, Do you not know... Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So 30 years ago, I'm almost 44, 30 years ago I was baptized into Christ Jesus. I was baptized into his death. So even though I've made plenty of mistakes since, and I've sinned. My identity is not a sinner. I'm not a slave to sin. My future is not death. My identity is in Christ. I'm a slave to God. And my future is eternal life. The crossing of the Red Sea was the baptism of Israel. It marked the before and after moment. They emerged from the sea as a, as a new nation with a new identity, a new story. They're no longer bound to their past. They're not bound by... F- they, they're not bound by fear of slavery. Like, who's going who's gonna to re-enslave them if not Pharaoh and his armies? He's, he's dead. They're no longer bound by fear of oppression and bondage. I mean, they have to walk this out, right? We, we know that by reading the story, but, but this is, the identity is no, they're no longer slaves. They're baptized into death for the life beyond. And likewise, we have this choice. We, have, we often feel the enemy at our heels, or death and life in Christ in front of us. So behind us, the enemy, like snapping at us, or ahead of us, life in Christ. If you haven't been baptized, just I want to say, if you haven't been baptized, then then what are you waiting for? <laughs> it's such a cool thing to do, such a such a decisive and powerful moment that God is inviting you into. Age is no barrier. Like, uh, I mean, I did it when I, when I was 14. Tessa was baptized when she was younger. You might be older than that. You might be younger than that. God is inviting you into, into this, into this, to be baptized. And if you have been baptized, then the, then the time has come. The invitation is to walk in it. The old is gone. The new has come. Your identity is not in, in the old. Your identity is in the new. So the first word is baptism, and the second word is birth. Now this, you might go, what's birth got to do with this whole story? Well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Our son, Eli, I think uh, Tess is actually putting him to bed at the moment, so hopefully I don't wake him up with my, um, with my powerful preaching. He's almost five months old, but his birth is still fresh in my mind. He was delivered on a Thursday afternoon, the 25th of March, by a team of doctors, nurses, and midwives. I hope you noticed a word that I used there. It was, was delivered. He was delivered on that Thursday afternoon. The promise of God that we, that we looked at, that we read earlier, the promise of God to Moses and Israel in Exodus 3 was that he'd come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. The moment of their deliverance came with the tenth plague, the death of all the firstborn sons of Egypt. The death of all those firstborn sons led to the new life of Israel. And God actually calls Israel his firstborn son. Exodus 4:22. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, speaking to Pharaoh, let my son go that he might serve me. 
before that final plague, before the tenth plague, came nine plagues. And that number, I think, might parallel the nine months of pregnancy. Full-term babies are born in the tenth month. The tenth plague is the moment of of deliverance of of Israel from Egypt by the strong and mighty hand of the Lord. It's almost like the Lord himself is, is the midwife delivering Israel from Egypt. And in this moment, we read it earlier, they were thrust out of Egypt. They were born again as a new nation. The firstborn son of God. You know, this is a born again moment. In the natural, they were born as slaves into Egypt under the, under the hand of Pharaoh, under that oppression. Now they are born again, a people set free under the hand of God. <laughs> so cool. These people now have a new identity, a new purpose, a future and a hope. They have a new home, the promised land before them, the presence of God with them, leading them. And it's the same for us. When we give our allegiance to Jesus, just as God came down to deliver the Israelites, Jesus came down. He descended from heaven to deliver us. And he says, he says that you must be born again. You must be born again. Born again, set free from slavery, set free from oppression, set free from sin and death. Born again to be sons and daughters of the living King of Kings. Born again so that our true home is actually the heavenly Jerusalem, Zion. <laughs> born again with a future and a hope. Born again with a promise that we will see the kingdom of God. I'm coming in, coming into the end now. Paul writes to the Galatians in the same way, in the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. I know that we've been repeating this message over the last few weeks because like the Israelites, we need reminding. We need, we need reminding of this new, of, of our new, new narrative and new identity. If you are in Christ, then you are no longer a slave, but you are a son, you are a daughter, an heir, as it says in Galatians 4 verse 3 to 7, an heir through God. Today, oh, I, I just feel like this, uh, like God is, God is kind of inviting us. He's reaching out to us. And it's not just today. It's actually just in this moment, in this uh, level four lockdown and in this season. This is not by accident. God's invitation is to walk in the newness of life. To be, to walk, to walk set free. And this actually often means walking in faith. We might not feel set free. We might, we might feel like, that, like the baggage of our past still still on us, still getting us, right? Still feeling those anxieties and fears. But the invitation of the Lord is to begin, to begin walking it out, begin walking it out. 
We are not under the dominion of sin. We're not under the dominion of death. I think for some some people listening, this is an invitation uh, to actually come to Jesus and to be to be born again. You can do you can do this on your own. Isn't this the beautiful thing about God that no matter where we are, we can actually reach out to Him and go, Jesus, I I give you my life. I give you my allegiance, and today I want to be I want to be born again in you. I want to be born again in you. For some of you, there's a there's an invitation here to be baptized. Water baptized, dunked in the water. And uh, and if that's you, then then please please do get in touch with us. We would be so honoured to uh, to be with you on that journey as you make that decisive decision and and you uh, and you go under the waters and you come out of the waters a new person. For some of you going back into into lockdown and and this like the the reemergence that it feels like the reemergence of uh, COVID nineteen in New Zealand it feels like oh my goodness the enemy is back like my, all these all these fears might feel like they're, they're resurrect being resurrected is a, completely the wrong word but they're back right and and I feel like in this season in this moment it's a time to kind of look ahead set your attention on God God our deliverer this is the moment of victory. This is the moment of, of breakthrough as we set our eyes on him. There's also the sense of that in this, in this season of new birth, of God bringing something to life in a profound and new way. So in a, in a moment, we're going to, um, going to move into another song, again, like uh, recorded back in April last year, a song called No Longer Slaves. And, and as we do that, um, if there's sort of, you, you, you just feel that, um, I don't know, you need, I don't actually feel anything actually, but you want that. You want God's freedom. Then engage, engage yourself with what he's doing. Just open yourself up to what he's doing. You know, if we were in church all together at the moment, I'd say, you know, why don't you like lift up your hands to him or why don't you put your hands on, on your heart or on your, on your head? <laughs> so why, actually, why don't we even just do that now? Um, So I'm going to pray, and then once I've finished praying, Stu, can you um, fire, up the, fire up the next song? So go ahead in your, in your home. You might even want to, you might even want to stand, stand up. Like standing up is going, I'm, I am a new creation. You might want to put your hand, put your hand on your heart. And if there's other people around, then, then you might want to sort of make an embarrassed uh, look, look in their direction and go, I'm doing this anyway. <laughs> I don't care what you think. My family's not looking at me. So Lord, Holy Spirit, would you, would you come now on your, on your sons and daughters, those who are near, near to you and those who are far away. Holy Spirit, would you uh, bring to life, would you bring us to life. Lord, uh, would, it's almost like you're speaking a, a resurrection narrative over, over us, even in this moment. Lord, you, you said that... Uh, in the scriptures, it says that the, the Israelites were baptized in, into, the, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And for us today, we are baptized into Jesus, into your spirit, and into the water. But even, even now, Lord, in houses and uh, in rooms all across Wellington, all across Aotearoa, and even people overseas, 
Would you, would you bring us to life? Would you almost like baptize us in your spirit today? So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We speak to the enemy and we say, no, you are done. You are done. God's got this. And we lift up our eyes to the King of Kings. Bless you, Jesus. So Stu, can you, um, can you begin rolling that, um, rolling that uh, next song, please? Thank you, God. I just saw, um, I was just having a quick look at some of the message on, uh, messages on Facebook, and I saw that... Um, that Russell Wixer, that you're checking in from Australia, and um, just thinking about how you, I think your church is called New Life, and just getting a sense of like new life, new life for new life for you guys, like a new life for um, for you and uh, in your church family. So um, just bless that in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Also, I saw that um, at my uncle and auntie, uncle uh, uncle Roger and auntie Marilyn, were checking in from Gisborne. So love you guys, love to you and Shirley. Really, Shirley, Shirley and Ray. Australia. I'd love to you guys too. Um, isn't it? It's amazing that we can be together. And, and again, I just um, just uh, actually we'll we'll just pray and we'll wrap up in a moment. But we really want to pray pray for uh, God's God's blessing on you all and and for us too that we would all know uh, God's. Um, uh, I think just God's presence in our in our lives, mm. like it's almost like that um, encouragement that God is strong, that God has has this, mm. and and, he, and this invitation to lift up our eyes and and to see to see His goodness. Hey, do you have anything that you wanted to say? No, that's what I wanted to say. Is it? <laughs> oh, sorry, I still, I still <laughs> what you wanted to say. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, for those in Wellington, we'll see you all see you all again soon. But um. Oh Lord, just thank you so much for your goodness to us. I even thank you, Lord, that um, you know, bef- as we've been journeying through this book of Exodus, you knew that this Sunday was going to be the Sunday that we look at the look at the Red Sea crossing and the deliverance of of Israel, Lord. And so, uh, and Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the way that you you work all things together for good. I pray your your blessing over uh, over all of the CV Church family. And for all others that are, that are connecting in today, from whatever church they're in, and even for ones that are not in churches at the moment, Lord, I pray for your, um, for your presence in their, in their lives and in their homes, God. I pray for the, like the revelation of your truth, of your life. Lord, I even pray for a silencing of the enemy and of his lies. Lord, I pray for a, a cancelling of, uh, of his strategies. And Lord, that your, your mighty hand would lead to an incredible deliverance, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you've taken us from death into life. And we bless you, Lord. Mm. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, yep, so we'll just, we'll just keep tracking with what's happening in, uh, in New Zealand. Uh, with the level changes and everything, and hopefully we'll um, have a bit more clarity over over that. I think tomorrow, hey, I think we we'll hear hear some news tomorrow. Yeah, but yeah. man, you know they they always say we've got this, but don't worry about them. God's got this, mm-hmm. and we fix ours in Him. So um, yeah. yeah, bless you guys. Lots of love. Yeah, lots of love. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll stay, we'll stay online for a bit. There won't, won't, won't be any video, but we'll stay online, uh, online for a bit. So if you want to chat on, on the Facebook uh, group, um, then that would be, be quite cool. Oh, also, I should have mentioned, if, 
if you do um, if you do want to have a have a chat or you want some encouragement um, or just to talk some talk to somebody then prayer. Um, for prayer yeah prayer then um, then please then please get in touch and reach out, out to us um, or someone else that you know from CV like we you know we we, we are together even though we're separate um, we're all in this together so bless you and and we'll, and we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to say, say bye, Lena? Bye. Bye. bye.